Cats at Night. Now, here's John Katsimatidis. This is John Katsimatidis. This is Cats at Night, the number one show at 5 o'clock. You want to hear what's what's going on? You tune us in. I'm telling you, uh, I think we have the KGB listening in. I think we have the Chinese intelligence listening. Yesterday, we had John Bolton on, and it made worldwide news. In a couple of minutes, right. Unbelievable. In the uh, in in the studio with us, we got uh, a common sense uh, a Democrat. We have uh, Judge Richard Weinberg and a common sense Republican, uh, Craig Eaton, ten years GOP chairman of Brooklyn, and and one common sense guy. And on my side, uh, Lydia Serrani. Lydia, we have what uh, say you? We have Professor Dershowitz on the line. He is a legal scholar. Well, first and con- of all, you got breaking news: Ken Starr died. Oh, correct. Yes. Oh, oh my yeah. God. Hit the breaking news. Hit the yeah, breaking news. A young guy. Breaking news. WABC. Ken Starr, 76 years old, died. Special prosecutor. He was a judge, right? Yes. He was a judge. Court of Appeals. And did you know him? Did you know him, John? I uh, Professor Dershowitz, I'm sure, no one. Uh, maybe. Let's talk well, to Professor Dershowitz. I knew him very well. He, I would say, was a good friend. We uh, fought like children when he was the special prosecutor against uh, Bill Clinton I wrote a book about it uh, called, um, um, I can't even remember the name of the book, Sexual McCarthyism, in which I faulted Ken Starr for his obsession with Clinton's private life. But then I joined with him together to defend President Trump on the floor of the Senate. So we worked together. We were opposed to each other. Um, I spoke at his university, both of his universities, uh, Pepperdine and Baylor. He was truly a great man. He was a great judge. Uh, He was conservative, but he was fair and open-minded. Had a very good sense of humor. And the best word I can think to describe him is he was a real mensch, a real mensch. He was a good person. He was very religious. And he and his wife lived uh, a wonderfully religious and principled life. You could disagree with him. But he was never disagreeable. I, I really like Ken. I'm so sad by his early death. And I, I, I just send my best condolences to his family. He was just a giant in the law. News reports say that Starr died of complications from surgery, according to a statement from his family. So I yeah. guess he had yeah. something, some other complications. Right. So, Professor Dershowitz, we wanted to go forward. Special master looks like in the Trump investigation. What's the latest? Well, I think, you know, there's going to be an appeal, obviously, and we'll see how quickly the appeal is resolved. But in the meantime, I think it's smart to get in a special master to get start working so that there's no further delays. Um, I mean, everybody benefits by getting this uh, process moving. Um, I've been in a deposition all day, so I don't know whether the special master has been appointed. I know that uh, Deary, Judge Deary, was on the list as, as well as Barbara Jones. But has there been an announcement of who has been picked? No, I hadn't. I hadn't seen it. But uh, I don't know the third, uh, the third judge, uh, Professor. Yeah. But I know. But yeah. I know Barbara and I know Ray uh, very well, and I think those are both excellent choices. They, they are great judges too, uh, Deary yeah, and Jones. Yeah, look, I've had my I've had my problems with with Deary. <laughs> Deary recently wrote a book in which he called Ben Brothman a mob lawyer. Now that's McCarthyism. He shouldn't have done that. And what I worry a little bit is that maybe he's not as sensitive to the role of lawyers in defending their clients. You know, Ben Brathman is one of the greatest lawyers in America today, uh, one of the best criminal lawyers, certainly in New York. 
And, you know, he's had a couple of clients who were uh, in organized crime, but he's not a mob lawyer. He's uh, he's represented people uh, from every background. He's represented a lot of Hasidim. We, we honored him at the Police Athletic League. I understand he, he loses very few uh, cases. No, he's a great lawyer. No, Ben is a great lawyer. Ben's and a great for lawyer. Judge Deary to use his you know, bully pulpit to call him a mob lawyer. I actually wrote a letter to Judge Deary asking him if he would just withdraw that. And uh, I haven't gotten a response from him yet. But I think in general, he's a good choice because, you know, a Republican appointed by President Reagan. So I think the Trump people would have trouble saying that he was uh, biased. Barbara Jones was appointed by Clinton. So I think Deary is probably a better choice. As I said, although I have my problems with him, I do think that he is uh, he's, he's a good lawyer. Yeah. Professor, me, this is Craig Eaton. Do you know anything about Thomas Griffith? I don't. No. Okay. I don't. Alan, let me ask you a question. Are you aware of what's going on with uh, Yeshiva University in New York where the, yeah. uh, the court yeah. said that they have to accept a— uh, a group which is an LGBTQ plus uh, group. And Times it's, 10 divided by 2. Whatever. <laughs> and it's, and it's, the, the, it's contrary to Talmudic law. What do you know about it's that? Very, I know a lot about it. It's very, very – if you ask me for 10 difficult questions in the world today, legally, that would be one of the 10. What do you do with a private religious institution that has a policy wrong in my view – I went to Yeshiva University High School. Of course, we didn't even know what a gay person was when we were in high school. We didn't know anything about anything except the Talmud. And But when a religious school, whether it be a Catholic school or a Protestant school or a Jewish school or a Muslim school, says, no, uh, we don't uh, accept a particular form of sexuality, you know, there are two provisions of the Constitution, pre-exercise and establishment. And exactly. they run into each other in a case like this. I well, think it's a religious school. I think you leave them alone. You can't force them to do things well, like they, that. Well, they're saying it's a violation of, of state and city human rights law. Yeah, it's viol- is, I think it's a violation of uh, freedom of yeah, I, uh, I agree. religion. I agree. I think, Alan, don't you think this is a case that will go to the Supreme Court of the United States? Oh, with, without a doubt, because Sotomayor has already um, um, taken action, which indicates the court's interest. It's a perfect case for the court. And I think, again, prediction, <clears throat> I think the court will come out in favor of Yeshiva University saying that as a private religious school, the free exercise clause uh, trumps the Civil Rights Act, and uh, therefore the school does have the right to do it. Look, in some sense, I hope they win the case and then change their mind and say, uh, look, uh, <clears throat> we are a religious school. On the other hand, you know, Yeshiva University is a very, very good school. It's open to lots of people of different faiths. And um, I, I think it would be wiser for Yeshiva University. I mean, do these people really want to go to Yeshiva or they're just they're just playing the game? Uh, testing that, uh, the water? Testing no, the water. Uh, first of all, remember that Yeshiva University is more than the college. It has a great department of psychology. Well, it has a law school where I taught. Well, I don't know if the yeah. law school is still directly. I think the law school and the medical school have cut their affiliation somewhat with Yeshiva University. I can't believe that Cardozo Law School would uh, not permit 
No, uh, the law school, I've read the law, Alan, I understand the law school is opposing the university on this issue. So explain yeah, to our listeners what the, what, the, what the issue is, because not everybody understands. What are they trying to do with the LGBTQ? They want to they, create a club. They, they want to create a club, and the uh, university it's, said you can't have Are, are they students there already? Yes. Oh, yeah. but you didn't say that. Okay. No, they're existing students. You they know, want to have a club. You know, you got to be able to, to tell our audience, where the, you know, so they can understand. Yeah, they're not banning LGBTQ people or anything no, like, that. like that. They no, just they're wanna, just saying they existing students. John is exactly right. Yes, I stand reprimanded. <laughs> it's a uh, it's an existing student group, and they want to be LGBTQ. Organized. That's they, it. They're not so formally how... organized. They want to be formally organized and recognized by the university. So how would their viol- their civil rights professor be violated just because they can't form an LGBTQ? group when they're it's not against the law for them to be gay or whatever why did they ask why don't you just go off campus and do it yeah that's do it off campus no it's interesting i have a cousin Andy Tan dershowitz who's now he was a a harvard junior fellow a brilliant brilliant young man and he wrote an essay for the new york times a couple of years ago he's a talmudic scholar saying that the talmud and the torah you have to look very hard, and it doesn't really ban being gay. It may ban certain actions by gay people, but not being gay. No. And therefore, you could say, you know, being gay, you can have a club of people doing that. Now, you know, that's a Talmudic distinction, how many angels can dance on the head of a pin. But uh, they, they may use that as an excuse and justification. The Catholic Church has taken that position very overtly. They say we're not against people who are gay, just what they do. And, uh, you know, priests are heterosexual, but they don't practice it. And if gays are homosexual and don't practice it, then we're okay with them. So, you know, these are such hard questions today. As, and we live in a changing world and changing religions and changing everything. And I just hope it can be worked out because I love Yeshiva University. Uh, I was uh, in their high school. I played on their basketball team. I was turned down from Yeshiva University. I was the first student ever to be turned down from Yeshiva University because I was such a bad high school student that the principal of my Yeshiva went up to the president of the Yeshiva University and said, don't let that kid in. He's going to make trouble. And he's been right. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, Professor uh, Steve uh, Bannon. Bannon, are they really going to put him in jail? I don't think they're going to be able to do that. Uh, first of all, he did get a pardon, but nonetheless, there are issues. I think that the the best approach uh, and the constitutional approach is yeah, you have it out in court first. See whether he's compelled. He's claiming a right, uh, executive privilege, et cetera. That's disputed. Let's get it resolved by a court, and then he can decide whether or not to comply with the congressional mandate. But as Alexander Hamilton said in the Federalist Papers, the legislature can't enforce the law. It's not a self-enforcing mechanism. They have to go to the courts to do it, and they skip the step here. And I think for that reason, Bannon may win. And tell us about the, 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 the major question. It seems like they want to pursue this January 6th uh, stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, tell yeah. us what you think and where the heck we are, we are at that. Well, I'm writing a new book called Get Trump, how the attempt to try to prevent Trump from running is endangering our civil liberties. And they're using every anti-civil libertarian statute, anti-civil libertarian rule. And I think it's just very, very bad uh, for the country. And January 
Uh, six, what the president did was a constitutionally protected speech. I wish he hadn't given it. I think it was an ill-advised speech, but I don't think they're going to be able to get him on a speech that fits comfortably within the Brandenburg principle of constitutionally protected advocacy. Uh, Professor Dershowitz, one last question from me. Sure. Uh, what is your reaction to hearing that Bill de Blasio, as well as, uh, what is it, Brian Stelzer, former CNN media critic, are both going to be professors, teachers at Harvard? <laughs> well, they're not going to be quite professors. They're going to be part, you know, we, Harvard has a terrific program where it brings people who have been in the public light uh, up for a semester and it exposes the students to them. And it's terrific. I think it's okay. great. And it gets people from every different political perspective. I've participated in a lot of those events and the students benefit enormously. And I think the people who come benefit enormously. And uh, I think it's a win-win for everybody. But there's a lot of pushback. A lot of the students at Harvard aren't happy that de Blasio is there teaching. <laughs> it's, it's just right. funny. Because of his because, political leanings. Because of, well, because of what he did to the city of New York, in my opinion. Of course. And Brian's- yeah, but, 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 but those people that are, are going, look, I know Bill de Blasio. He's not a bad guy. He made a lot of mistakes. A lot of mistakes. Yeah. Uh, 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 but, but. The people at Harvard are talking about him? <laughs> exactly, right? John, you're right. Bill's a great guy, but I think he was the worst mayor we've ever had. <laughs> Worse than Dinkins? Uh, no, no. Dinkins is a very nice guy. He just did stupid things, too. No, that's what I'm saying. I'm not saying he's not a nice person. I don't yeah, know. No, he was a very decent well, person. That, that's why he'll be good for the school. People can criticize him. People can um, second guess him. Yeah, good debate. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Alan, let me ask you this question. All about free speech. A lot of money is being spent by the Democratic Party to support so-called MAGA Republicans in primaries, and yet they've been campaigning against MAGA Republicans. What they're trying to do is they're trying to force MAGA Republicans sure. as the candidates in November. There's a primary election today in New Hampshire, once again, where Democratic money is supporting the most uh, radical MAGA candidate so they can run against them in November. What do you say about that? It's dirty tricks. It's dirty pool. I don't like it. Um, and it could backfire. One of these guys could get win the nomination, win the election. So I really do think that Democrats should support people who they want to see in office, not people who. So. Um, yeah. Hello. I'm, yes. sorry, I'm being pushed around by a lawyer. <laughs> it happens. It happens. Pushy I have lawyers. I, lawyer. I have one of those at home, too. They're tough. <laughs> and I listen to them. I listen to them. Um, I don't like what the Democrats are doing. I don't like when the Republicans did it. I don't like when we were living in Boston one day and a guy was running with a name and his friends put up another guy with the same name so that that they could split the vote the other way, you know, and, and the guy without the name won the election. You know, that kind of stuff just doesn't belong in America. Alan Dershowitz, thank you for uh, speaking up for America, speaking up for, for the truth. Pleasure. God bless you and God bless America. And we're going to take a break right now and we'll talk to you real soon. Okay. Let's take that break. It's Cats at Night on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Welcome back to the John Katz Matidis Cats at Night Show. We still got a great show for everyone, so keep it right here. We're going to talk to Ty McCoy about Ukraine. We're going to talk to Ryan Payne about the stock market. It's a it's a mess, just FYI. What a mess, the stock market. Oh, my God. I thought Biden said he was doing a victory lap today about the economy. He said it was a great day. He it said was a great day. day. No, what was great your expression? 
That oh. uh, if you think who, who do, do you believe, believe? your Biden or your IRA? <laughs> <laughs> then we're going to talk to Dr. Mark Siegel. So keep it right here. But first on the line right here, we have Miranda Devine. She's a New York Post columnist. She's also a great author. Her latest book, Laptop from Hell, of course, about Hunter Biden. Uh, Miranda Devine, it was lovely seeing you at the Cipriani's Gala, uh, the hundred year anniversary slash John's birthday. You're, she's more beautiful in person. That's I, I couldn't <laughs> help but say that to you. You're beautiful and and brilliant at the same time. So I wanted we wanted to talk about Kamala Harris, our esteemed vice president. She said the border is secure, and then lo and behold, there's a video out today of people dressed in camouflage, migrants crawling over the wall. So is she a liar, or she's now simply redefining once again? what secure means, just like they redefined what a woman is. Exactly. Look, that's the perfect way of, of looking at it. It's it's lies, it's gaslighting, and all the Democrats are doing it. I mean, Joe Biden does it as well when he tells us there's no inflation. Uh, it, Kamala Harris is lying. We know the border is not secure. Uh, we see Bill Malugin from Fox every day pumping out these videos showing tens of thousands of uh, illegal migrants crossing the border. Um, but as you say, uh, she she must have just redefined the word secure. It's really Orwellian. It's really, really frightening. This is, um, you know, Soviet level, Eastern European Soviet bloc level gaslighting and lies from this administration. You know what the new definition is, Miranda? It's that to, when they break over the border illegally to give them a legal process for citizenship. Yes, yes. Uh, yeah, but it, they're gotaways. Insane. But these people are coming in. No one's testing them. We don't know if they're part of the Taliban. We don't know if they're terrorists. And the Drug Enforcement Administration says the smuggling of fentanyl and other deadly drugs is at record levels today. And, John, you brought up an excellent point scary. yesterday this about the overdose, overdose deaths. Oh, well, let, let, let's put it this way. Statistics, real numbers are interesting. 50,000 soldiers died in Vietnam, yeah. 50,000 soldiers died in Korea, 7,000 soldiers died in Afghanistan. That's 50, 50, and 7, it's 107,000. In the last 12 months, they've 140,000 Americans have died from fentanyl over the, the Mexican border, sent to Mexico by the Chinese. I mean, at what point do you say enough is enough, guys? Close the border. We have to close the border. The poisoning I, I, I mean, of America. And you have a, a secretary of Homeland Security that doesn't know his left from his right? And you got our vice president saying that there isn't a problem. I think 140,000 people dying is a problem. What do you think, Miranda Devine? Absolutely. And, you know, Homeland Security um, Secretary Mayorkas is also a liar. He keeps on saying the border is closed. It's not closed. Obviously, they're not even trying to keep it closed. And the only reason that anybody is complaining about it is because Greg Abbott in Texas sent a few hundred people to D.C. and New York. And the Democrat mayors, Adams and uh, Bowser in D.C., are kicking up a huge stink about it as if it's some sort of terrible incursion on the city and, and it's racist and it's unfair. Um, ridiculous. I mean, there are, you know, have been something like 6 million people cross the border that have been apprehended, and God knows how many who haven't been. In July alone, there were 10 terror suspects, 10 people that were on the terror watch list that were apprehended at the border. And again, God knows how many others were gotaways, were snuck through regardless. 
And yet the FBI, whose job it is to safeguard national security, is ignoring what's going on at the border. Uh, We had Christopher Wray today do some PR video that the FBI pumped out boasting about a you know a dozen arrests somewhere and and they they found a fraction of the fentanyl um, seized a fraction of it uh, and yet they're putting their biggest investigation ever into January 6th and they are raiding the homes of law-abiding Americans who did nothing wrong they just went to the Trump rally they never went inside the Capitol they never committed any uh, any crime they're not even charged with any violence. Um, But again, you've got the FBI redefining uh, sort of a graft area as a restricted area in order to round up more people and and do what the Democrats are desperate to do, and that is to uh, criminalise and turn 75 million conservative voters in this country into domestic terror suspects. Miranda Devine, to your point where you were just talking about the January 6th rioters, Kathy Hochul, the governor here of New York, she put out an anti-Zeldin ad. And in the ad, there's a line that says the rioters, the January 6th uh, rioters, they led to the death of five officers. That's that's an egregious lie. Uh, I mean, it's a lie. I understand what they're I mean, they're saying some people are like, well, it was indirect. It doesn't I mean, they, they didn't kill anybody. The only person that was killed that day was Ashley Babbitt. Exactly. No one was killed. No police officers were killed. Uh, arguably, um, there were a, a, a couple of police officers who committed suicide well afterwards. Arguably, you could say that they were driven to that by the hyperbole and lies told by the Democrats to try and demonise you know, anybody who had come into the Capitol or anyone who'd come to the Trump rally and didn't even come into the Capitol. So, um, the, you know, we don't know why those officers committed suicide and it's really egregious and and evil of democrats to try and use those tragedies to politicize this event even more than it has been you know it shows that it really wasn't as bad as they're making out because they have to tell so many lies to make it seem really profound and terrible to reach the level of you know worse than 9-11 that they're pretending it is and meanwhile they completely yeah, that's ignore what they said it's worse than 9-11 that's no, this is, let me let me tell you something that that woman that got shot that vet that got shot ashley babbitt i mean there was no reason to shoot her I mean, for anybody to compare almost 3,000 innocent people, heroes, to die compared to that uh, January 6th, it's, it's disgusting. A it's a disgrace. It's a disgrace. It's an insult. It's an insult to America. I know. J- Judge Weinberg, sorry. Real quick question you wanted okay. to ask. Miranda, you just had this great column about the Trinity School, a very prestigious prep school in the city, and about one of their faculty members saying that what a great idea would be to kill all the, the white male students. What did you say in the mm. column? Well, you know, the the school, that Trinity, is not actually treating this with the seriousness it deserves. You have a teacher, a female teacher, who was boasting on uh, a video um, that was covertly done but legally done by Project Veritas. Uh, She's boasting about how um, she basically treats the white male students like unpersons and what she really needs, because they're so horrible is some vigilante Dexter to get rid of these horrible white boys. And Dexter, of course, is the TV serial killer who, uh, you know, killed people in horrible, terrible ways. So she's wishing 
a, a, a very tortuous death on her students. And she's still, um, you know, two weeks later... She's still getting paid. Unbelievable. She should go to jail. She hasn't been fired yet. Miranda Devine, thank you so much for telling the truth and standing up for uh, for America, uh, even though you're an Australian. Uh, She's uh, from Queens. I know. Queens. <laughs> and, and thank you so much. Thank you. Lovely and and to, by the way, today I got three good friends have birthdays today. Bert Flickinger is his oh, birthday. Oh, we like Bert Flickinger. Happy birthday, Bert. And happy birthday, Mark Simone's birthday oh, today. Oh, wow. I won't tell you his age. He's not, <laughs> I'm not allowed. And Paul Byrne, uh, he was with us in Havana with Curtis, and we almost left him there. And now we'll have a Lou Dobbs report, as well as we'll be coming up after that. Ty McCoy, Ryan Payne, Dr. Siegel. Keep it right here, Cats at Night. Cats at Night on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Welcome back to the John Katzmatidis Cats at Night Show. Also in studio, Judge Weinberg, Craig Eaton, and of course, John Katzmatidis and myself. And now on the line with us, we have Ty McCoy. He's the former Assistant Secretary of the Air Force, also a graduate of West Point. He also joined the U.S. Army. Let's just say he knows a little bit about the military and international wars and affairs. Welcome back to Cats at Night, Assistant Secretary Ty McCoy. And of course, the big topic nuclear weapons, possibly this plant, Ukraine. Tell us all about it. Well, thank you very much. It's good to be with you all tonight and all of your team and cats uh, and everyone. Uh, I think your your show is, uh, I would say, is one of the few stocks that didn't go down today. So uh, <laughs> I think, uh, I, I'm, I'm investing. Well, uh, before uh, you say too much, don't forget, the Russian KGB is listening. The Chinese intelligence is listening. So uh, yesterday we had John Bolton. We got we, we we got news all over the world. You got these articles in Russian and French within like ten minutes. Yep. So yeah, what do you no have question. to say? Well, actually, thinking about uh, the some of the questions you uh, raised very well with with your show with your guests and so forth, and I was thinking to myself, what is the position that uh, and it relates to all the things like nuclear weapons. Uh, which they have not chosen to use or advertise too much, a little bit, some of his commentators, or biological or chemical. And certainly we don't want to get to any of those three, uh, or too much in a way of terrorism. Uh, he has been willing to wield the knife of assassinations uh, fairly vigorously against some of his own. Uh, you I know, guess the, the, the uh, general in charge of the Arctic, I, I think he uh, he got it yesterday. Another, yeah, they, they, another, they, they, uh, he fell I, off the ship. He fell off the ship in the Arctic. <laughs> yeah, the, the most dangerous uh, weapon in uh, Russia is apparently windows or slippery ledges. <laughs> right. So, in uh, thinking about uh, you know where he's put himself, uh, you know Vladimir Putin uh, could seek to. He's got four four choices in, in a in general sense. He could seek to negotiate, but he's got his hawks and his reputation, his ego to worry about. He could try full mobilization, including all the uh, great Russians around Moscow and St. Petersburg, and really uh, pull a Stalin and really be very merciless in terms of dragging his people into war, which I think uh, would risk his his base uh, among the Western, uh, among the elites, the Russian elites who actually like the West, like Europe much more than they like Asia. They want to be Europeans. They don't want to be allies with China. Right, exactly. Now, he could also drag out the war even though he's doing poorly uh, militarily and wait for winter to come, you know, like uh, a Game of Thrones, winter's coming, it's going to get cold. Uh, and he might hope that that would fracture some European support for continuing 
the war in Ukraine. That'd be the third option. Uh, and and uh, I think that's one he's most most likely uh, to take. Uh, he could also, as he's meeting now with Z in, in the Far East, he could press China, North Korea, and Iran to do more. But he's in a weak position to press them to do more because they don't want to be completely uh, cut off from the world economy either, and they have their own agenda. So I think he will right now seek to uh, – continue to call this a, a limited military option to denazify Ukraine. He'll try to hope his troops can do better. Uh, he'll try to drag this thing into winter. Uh, the the main important front uh, in in uh, Ukraine is the southern front. Uh, and I think that they, that was a uh, message to the Russians in such a way that they expected, and they moved their troops into the south more and were ready for a big strike uh, there. But with the influence, I think, from what I could tell and guidance by British and United States uh, strategists and, and officers, uh, I think that the the uh, the advice and was which was accepted was to make a counter strike uh, in the east, uh, east of Kharkiv, where they have achieved great success and, and taken over about 6000 square kilometers of territory that had been fallen to the Russians. So I think that. Uh, people uh, are looking at both the weapons and the, uh, the ability of allies to work together uh, and, uh, and the strategy that can be brought to bear. So that while this uh, strike east of um, Kharkiv, and it's very well done by the Ukrainians so far, uh, is a turning point uh, a bit. It's probably a turning point more in the war that has not started yet, and that would be the war for Taiwan, because I think that the Chinese leadership is looking at what has happened uh, to Putin and how he's led himself into a uh, very dangerous uh, balance to to stay in power and, and to lead his country. So uh, I think it's uh, that's the turning point, I think, in the minds of Chinese uh, generals and, and others. I think that they are not going to strike anytime soon as a result of the success of the West. They see the same thing uh, possibly could happen in the Indo-Pacific region uh, that people could pull together. The United States could pull and lead uh, people to uh, try and blunt and try and turn uh, the world against uh, China and their access to world markets. So what about uh, certainly? I'm sorry, Ty. Yeah. What, what about uh, Russia now going to uh, to North Korea and Iran for, for weaponry? What do you think about that? Well, I think it's a sign of uh, how desperate uh, and how bad the uh, stocks uh, the stocks were never good in Russia. You know, the, the tanks there were an in inventory that were 50 years old. Some of them didn't even have engines. They were stolen. So I think, uh, you know, they've got cardboard tanks and, and very poor uh, equipment in Russia. Their logistics is bad. Uh, their intelligence appears to be bad. Uh, the uh, NCO Corps does not exist. Uh, and uh, the strategists uh, are missing, it seems, in action at, at the senior level, or they're afraid to speak up to Putin, which is probably the case. Uh, their communications are wide open and not very good. Uh, people are listening in. So in, in, a, in a way, they, they have shown a lot of other nations who might want to make war, whether they, they be in uh, China, or whether they want to be in Iran, uh, or, or otherwise, uh, even North Korea, that uh, the, there's a certain danger uh, in uh, rallying everyone against you, uh, and that maybe uh, people uh, are not uh, all sitting on the couch in the West as, as much as they hoped. 
a few a few months ago, they were talking about him being so sick and, and possibly well, dying. I anything they, I, anything I think new there's on so many that? Lies or? going around is yeah. un- unbelievable. Is there anything out there? Uh, not lately. The the ideas of him being, you know, uh, either with, um, uh, you know, cancer uh, of some sort or whatever has has died down. Uh, the, you know, visits by doctors, him visiting special doctors. I think he probably has been sick. He may have had, uh, you know, a cancer a while back. It's been probably treated uh, with a lot of chemicals and some some uh, radiation, which may be why he is. Uh, in addition to all the bodybuilding chemicals he took when he was younger, have led to him being a little bit tense in one hand, and a little bit uh, sallow-looking, and a little bit, uh, you know, puffy, and, and he looks a little different than he did, uh, you know, three or four years ago. But uh, no real new uh, breaking news that I've heard or seen from Ty, any reliable source about a real sickness. Ty, one last question yeah. before we we have to take a break is yesterday I had lunch uh, with uh, Henry Kissinger. Henry Kissinger says we should not reward aggression with, with making him a deal with giving him some territory and, and, and making and, and, and letting him out of the, uh, the problem. Versus Admiral Stavridis, our former head of NATO, says uh-huh. we're going to end up with a uh, North Korea, South Korea type deal in six months. What side, where, which version are you on? Well, I think we're going to have to be um, very careful, probably be somewhere in between that. I used to work for Kissinger in the NSC in 1972 and 73, he and Al Haig, and uh, he was pretty, uh, uh, you know, burly and very smart, very opinionated and uh, and correct in many things. He could see the big picture, uh, but we uh, also uh, are going to probably have to wait. And I think that decision is going to be made maybe by uh, some of the Russian elites uh, the Russian elites around Putin uh, will eventually have to uh, discuss among themselves who's going to talk to him and say, listen, uh, you're going to have to uh, begin to figure out a way out of this or we're going to have to figure a way out uh, for you. And well, so I mean, I does stay anybody away from the, the window. To do that? Stay away from the windows. Stay away from the windows. Yes, yes. <laughs> He's probably uh, in a windowless room. I, yeah, I yeah. <laughs> Well, Ty McCoy, thank you so much, and thank you for everything you've done for America. You, you've you worked for America all your life. You continue to speak out for America. God bless you, and God bless America. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. God bless all you cats, and have a great day. Thank you. Thank you. Now now on the line, we have Ryan Payne. Uh, there's a lot of pain going on in our IRA oh, accounts. Oh, I feel the pain. Uh, worst day since June 11, 2020. Dow's I, down 1,250 points. I'll give you a penny for your thoughts, but right now I'll give you a nickel for your thoughts because inflation. But what are you talking about? Biden did the inflation reduction plan. Oh, he had geez. the victory lap today. What? Ryan, I saw you on Maria Bartolomo's show this morning. Uh, what say you today? Well, I mean, it was a surprising number. You know, I thought inflation would probably come down more than expected, like we saw last month, John, when you and I were both on uh, Maria's show together when we had the other CPI report and the market went through the roof. And today we had the exact opposite, right? We had corporation come in higher than expected, and it triggered just a major sell-off in capital markets, you know, the worst sell since March of 2021. Um, So, you know, bottom line is right now, I think that the markets were anticipating much less inflation by now, and we just haven't gotten there. Well, you know, uh, crude oil almost went down to 81, 82 last week. Uh, so it was getting there. 
But the Russians and, and the OPEC nations don't want it. They want it at $100 a share, so they're going to do whatever possible. I mean, the insult that Saudi Arabia gave last week to President Biden, they gave him 100,000 barrels, which is chump change, a couple of weeks ago. Well, they took it back. They took it back last Friday. I mean, uh, uh, all they have, we have to do is, like everybody's saying, open up the spigots in North America, and the f- inflation will go away. But Washington... President Biden refuses to do that. He does, John, and you and I know when it comes to inflation, oil pretty much uh, is the crux of everything, right? You get oil down, to your point, you get down below $80 a barrel, $75 a barrel, that just feeds into so much other inflation right now because of the cost of manufacturing, right? Plastics, I mean, you name it, like every industry is impacted by oil. And if we bring oil down, and that starts to bring inflation down, and the Fed doesn't have to be talking as tough as they are and talking about raising interest rates at, at a more hawkish pace than uh, I think most of us would like here. What so I'm afraid of, what I'm afraid of, Ryan, and me and you talk all the time, is we're going to go into a vicious circle where we're going to destroy the rest of the economy. Well, it's problematic, John, because if costs keep going up more than wages, right, it's going to look like the 70s because we had stagflation in the 70s where, great, your wages were going up, but inflation was going up much faster. And I think that's the biggest risk we have here. Um, and if the Fed here you know, doesn't uh, take the foot off the brake at some point, um, you know, I think that could be a big problem. It could put us into a recession. Why now, are they destroying industries, John, though? Well, they, they keep, they, they feel, I understand Nomura Securities was saying today that they're thinking it might be 100 basis points that are going to increase the, the, uh, uh, the, the, rates. the rates next, uh, you know, next, what is it, next couple of weeks? Mm-hmm. Yeah, next week, next week. Well, I mean, you know, do 100 basis points, but then back off, you know, just get it done with. Rip the Band-Aid off, is my opinion here, um, but to keep drawing it out. And, of course, the, the Fed's going to be data-dependent. And if you look at inflation on the ground floor, it is starting to come down, right? Commodity prices have started to come down. They're about, down about they will come down if, if, if they allowed it to happen. Now, what I also said this morning, I was on uh, uh, another Fox business show today uh, uh, with uh, Stuart Varney. And I said, uh, what I, I said, if you um, allow, what did I say? I I. I if it's kind of what you say on the show here, be, you can't. No, just... no, 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 no. That that we spent trillions of five, three, four, five trillion dollars to to rescue the economy from COVID. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Why are we surrendering to a few months? It might be a few months of high uh, high inflation that might correct itself. Yeah, and it is correcting itself, right? I mean, you're already seeing in housing prices. Um, you know, we know oil prices are down. And you start looking at, you know, shipping costs from Asia to the U.S. They've come down. That's down. Are, are normalizing. So I think, I think on the ground floor, which is forward-looking, but, you know, John, with these CPI numbers we talk about, you know, they're backwards-looking, and a lot of these strategists are historians. I love to tell you about the past is I, I think the reality of it is it is coming down. And, um, and what I noticed is the things that went up, it's catch-up time for them. Oil went down mm-hmm. like 8% last month, but the catch-up things is wages, uh, we, uh, food is still going up, but it's catch-up from where it didn't go up uh, months before. That's right. So it's more of a lag there. And I think that was anticipated as well, right? We knew core inflation was going to go up this month. It just went up more than expected. And I think the fear here is, is what we're talking about, is the Fed is just not going to 
put the put off the break, right? They're just going to continue to be hawkish here because they were dead wrong. Remember a year ago, Jay Powell was saying he wasn't even thinking about thinking about inflation. Boy, was he wrong. So, you know, we're worried on the other end here is just going to be too aggressive to make up for his past mistakes. We've got 30 so, seconds left. Tell the American people what to do. John, I think right now, look, I think inflation is going to continue to come down. Labor market is going to stay strong. Get invested in the market now. Take advantage of the dip here. It's not going to last forever. Uh, you know, dividend yields are going up this year. You've got to hedge yourself. You can't sit in cash running nothing. This is the time to take advantage of the uncertainty. You've got to buy when prices are low. Well, thank you so much, and uh, God bless you, and and God bless America. We uh, people have to work harder. We got to do it. And I and, and what was the other thing? Uh, uh, how many people didn't want to come to work at the New York Times? They didn't want to go. Oh, back it's to like fifteen hundred. They're fighting it. Not to, oh, thirteen hundred. Thirteen hundred. Okay. Well, guess what? If the New York Times has courage, he's saying come to come to work or else. Forget don't, about it. We need to get to people. Work. People need to come back to the office. They got to come back to work. It fuels the economy in the, the city and all the towns, the, the, the pizzerias the and the restaurants. It's also and a sense else. of entitlement yeah. now. People are thinking, "Well, I don't need to, and people why should I?" Yeah, I'm going to get people paid anyway. So that, why should I go to work? Right, right, right. Yeah, let somebody try to get away with it. One of our companies. Mm. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Thank you, Ryan Payne. God bless you, and we'll catch up again real soon. Let's take a break, and we're going to come back with Dr. Mark Siegel and see what he has to say. This is Cats at Night on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Welcome back to the John Katzmatidis Cats at Night show. Now we will introduce Dr. Mark Siegel, the guy who stood me up at the 100-year anniversary party, said he was going to dance with me, but decided to just go disappearing on me. Dr. Mark Siegel, welcome back to Cats at Night. How do you plead, doctor? (laughs) Well, listen, here's how I plead. Given how striking Lydia looks, I can't believe I missed her. How could I not see her? It's not like I avoided her. I didn't see her, which must mean I'm going blind. I must be going blind. It was a lot of people. My eyes checked. My the, table was on the other side. The that's star glare. That's what it was. The star glare. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Casamitidis did that deliberately to keep us apart. I knew it. <laughs> I was there with Mikolos. I'm with Mikolos. I mean, forget, forget. Mikolos and Mikolos. <laughs> yeah, well, Mikolos. Mikolos. The island of Mikolos. I was there. I was there with Peter, and I should have been with Lydia. You should have put me at her table. <laughs> next event. Next party. So next party. There is a story out by a doctor in the New York Post. Tell us, Judge Weinberg. Dr. Siegel, there's Dr. Joel Zinberg wrote a piece in the opinion piece, today's post, and it said that fundamentally that what the FDA did, it suppressed the release of the vaccine because they want to influence the outcome of the election. And they didn't want to give a, any they, kind of support for Trump. They wanted the to make him look bad, right? Well, I'm slightly suspicious of that. I don't have the info. I will tell you, when I interviewed Trump in July of 2020, he told me that the vaccine was on the verge of coming out. And he also said there was going to be major therapeutics coming out. And he said to me, you know, the day is coming very soon when you're going to take a pill and not have to go into the hospital. Well, that ended up being Paxlovid, which was which was many months after or the monoclonal antibodies. The point is that this is not unbelievable. You know, that, that, that it could have been out by the election and it, and, it, and it might have made a difference. It literally came out a few weeks later, right? Right. And it would, would Dr. Zinberg. No, I think it was a week after. Yeah, it was a week after, within a week or 10 days. But so what Zinberg is and saying. by the way, it would have changed everything because Trump said to me he would take it on camera with me. So if I had it in hand, I would have gone there and given it to him, and then millions more people would have taken it. So it, it, the idea of any of this becoming political is sickening. The FDA to be politically motivated and to be weaponized against a political candidate? Wait, I mean, wait, that's and, scary. And I understand Pfizer did the same thing. 
That's really, really scary. We're t- we talk about the DOJ and the FBI, but now we're talking about the FDA. We're putting these chemicals or whatever into our children's bodies. And, and let's well, let's not forget something that that Trump did something Kazimatidis style, which is he did a public-private partnership where the government a- actually bought the vaccines in advance. Why else would a drug manufacturer make an experimental vaccine unless it's prepaid by the government? That whole idea actually was genius. That's Operation Warp Speed. We need it for nasal vaccines, by the way, Lydia, which are much better. John is about to ask me what to do with this booster, whether to wait. And I'm afraid the answer is that the next generation vaccines are coming out in China, but not coming out here because nobody's given a penny for their manufacturing. We have better vaccines in the works. We do. I believe you. And look, we have such a mess in Washington. You know, doctor, I used to say, you know, I've been saying it over and over again. I used to say there's something rotten in Denmark. There's something rotten in Washington. Doctors- well, it's gonna, that's even going to get worse because now they're, they're busting the migrant workers up there unshowered with any kind of disease. <laughs> so, I mean, that's, they're coming from Texas to, uh, I, think, I think Governor Abbott is making a point about this, right? Leaky borders. I don't want all of these people there. And, you know, and everyone probably on this panel has some experience with legal immigration, but not illegal immigration. I mean, my grandparents came over here. My, my wife came over from Moscow legally, legally, via Austria. We're all for legal immigration. We want legal immigration. No, no, not listen. Illegal, not I, illegal. I, I no. will take checks and balances. Mm. I believe in immigration. At least let's set up an Ellis Island top operation That's on the borders of Texas yeah. and, and go one at a time, test everybody like they did when my father and your father uh, came to America. And, and and if they're healthy, and if they will, and if they're willing to swear allegiance to to the United States of America, like I swore when I was six years old, then you let them in. Think about how many terrorists have snuck into the United States. Too in many. Last, in, think about Sex it. Think about the hundreds drug of thousands dealers. People. We don't know two who million people. people are. They say two but million they're not, people. But they're not sneaking in. The oh, yeah. majority. They're no, just they're coming being in. Waved in by the Biden administration. Nobody's stopping. And them. there's no vetting of. And them. John, what you yeah. said about your dad that he needed to have like security by his by his brother to make sure that he wouldn't be relying on the government. His brother had to sign that if he couldn't pay the rent. They would pay for him. But you know, and my pa- father worked seven days a week, so we would never have to go to his brothers. But it's part of the plan by the you Democrats. Left out one thing, by the way, they're not only coming in uh, unchecked, bearing some some bearing disease. What about the fentanyl problem? What about yeah. the the drug lords down in Mexico? What, uh, that's b- being contributed to with the leaky borders. We big talked time. about we talked about that earlier. The DEA said that the fentanyl use is at extreme measures at this point. But you know, you know, what the thing is, I think it's a plan by the Democrats. Bring all these people, the illegals in, and then let the illegals vote. It's I used to plan. think it was that, but I, I think plan. now it's about control. Yeah. And they think, okay, these people are not very educated. They'll, be, they'll do those low-wage pay, paying jobs, and we can remain in power and like lords it's over these crazy. servants. That's what I think. And, and, and by the way, someone should give the Democrats the memo that when they actually get here and get established, they end up voting Republican. So that doesn't even work. Yep. Checks and balances. That's what we well, need here. Dr. Mark Siegel, thank you. I hear the music already. And you know what we stand for? And we stand for truth, justice, justice and, and the American, American way. way. And we all feel like that. And we want to save America. We want to save New York. And we're in trouble. So this November, before you vote, think it out carefully. Who is going to keep you safe on, on after November 8th? Thank you. God bless America.